Today on the pod, it's another chapter in our Insight stream. I recently talked to Tess Robinson and Rob Hubbard from LAS. Fresh off the back of winning the Learning Organization of the Year Award at the Learning Technologies Awards in 2021, uh, we talked about what it takes to be a B Corps. Uh, but before that, we also talked about L&D megatrends. They did some research recently with a number of companies and they looked at global trends. They could have been societal they could have been more specific to learning and development, but they looked at some bigger trends that are affecting us nationally and internationally that are going to shape people's learning strategies and business strategies going forward. So let's dive in. Uh, we'll come on to B Corps and, and, and all that kind of interesting elements of, of, of LAS later, but let's start with COVID in the workplace. So there's, lo- there's so much going on at kind of a macro level in organisations you recently looked at um, the medium-term impact of COVID in, on workplace learning. Tess, I'll come to you first. How did you go about that and, and what did you find out? Yeah, so late last year, we, um, we ran a, an insight generation project to look at the medium-term impact of COVID. Um, we know that it's hit organisations hard and we know that it's also changed the way that people are doing things. So we wanted to really bring in um, our own research and also that of um, industry experts and also bring together the community of of L&D as well. We ran an interactive event to gather lots of opinions and and anecdotes and experiences of what had happened and what they see the future being for for learning in in organisations. I was going to say post-pandemic, but it's not really post-pandemic because we're still actually in it. So yeah, it was a a really interesting exercise. It came up with stuff that we... um, we didn't expect and some that we did expect. Um, so um, we looked at all the mega trends around it, didn't we, to start with? Yeah, we, we picked five. So the, the idea was that um, the, the insights of work would be, you know, when you go to a really great keynote at a conference and it kind of blows your mind and makes you think a lot, but you end up coming away going, well, so, so what? So what does that mean to L&D? What does that mean to me? What do I need to do now? So with our insights piece of work, we wanted to do that thinking and come out with some pretty pretty solid recommendation so we picked five mega trends to look at and um, the first one wouldn't be any surprise to anybody that's climate change um, you know the undeniable effect that humans are having on the the climate of the planet uh, we also looked at digitization which of course is a, is a kind of huge one for us in learning and development and a, a hill that we've been trying to kind of push organizations up collectively as an industry for uh, well, probably the, the 20 years of, uh, that I've been involved in it, um, population growth as well. So, you know, that was a really interesting one to look at. So that the kind of common misconception is population is exploding and it's growing exponentially and, and there's only ever going to be more of us. Um, in actual fact, it's very patchy and it, and it varies. So a, a kind of broad way to um, understand it is that in more developed countries, population is generally staying the same or shrinking. Uh, In developing uh, countries, uh, the populations tend to be growing, but not kind of growing, you know, exponentially and forever, they're expected to to kind of level off. So that was fascinating because the projections for future population growth vary absolutely hugely. Um, So that was a really interesting one to look at. Uh, Life expectancy, of course, COVID had a a, a negative effect on that and that was a really kind of hard one to to look at however life expectancy has actually been decreasing since 2011 and people aren't really sure why you know it might just be that we've we've reached the uh, kind of outer limits 
of to what extent we can keep extending our lives with medicine and so, and so forth. But um, yeah, the, the rate of uh, life expectancy growth that we'd seen before then fairly steadily since we've had modern um, medicine and better standards of living, that had certainly been uh, tailing off. And then another one that we looked at was urbanization. So uh, the way that our cities act as kind of magnets to people and talent and uh, you know huge amounts of people were were moving to uh, to urban areas and we looked at the pre-covid trend of those those mega trends and we looked at the impact that covid was having either based on data or where data wasn't available based on expert insight um, so there were some really interesting things that that came out of that so i mean un un well unsurprisingly and as we all know now digitization took a huge shove in the back and we kind of moved forward much more rapidly than we have done really in a in a very long time um looking at the what was the towards maturity uh, kind of maturity um, rating or um, now it's emerald works you know that had been declining over about six seven years and it was only something as awful as the global pandemic that actually increase the digitization in the learning space. So uh, that kind of rapid adoption of learning technologies uh, looks unlikely to slow down because there's so many benefits to organizations in doing that. Urbanization, you know, people have started moving away from cities rather than towards them. And of course that has a big implication for us in learning because people aren't gonna be in the office so much. We need to be able to reach them and help them learn wherever they are. There's all those organizations that thought that they could never have a remote workforce. Yeah, Actually, yeah. they discovered that they could and it works and people enjoy it to an extent. So yeah, it's uh, definitely changed the landscape that one. Hmm. It's, it's often said that as L&D, as things become more volatile in the economic environment, the social environment, which things certainly, have for obvious reasons uh, very recently too that LD becomes more important does that ring true to you Tess do you think um yes I think there's certainly um in in the study that we did and the research that we did for the, for the COVID impacts there's certainly a lot of relevance to other seismic global events that we see happening um you've got the the war in Ukraine you've got climate change you've got the increased cost of living and energy crisis mm. so all of those things create a very turbulent environment for organizations at the moment and it's certainly true that learning has a key part to play in helping those organizations be more agile and be more relevant um, to make sure that they are aware of the situation beyond themselves and, and then they can respond really quickly to that however it's not enough just to chuck a load of learning at the people in your organization. It's got to be really well targeted. It's got to be really well thought through. Um, one thing that we've seen as well is um, the L&D teams need to be really well equipped themselves. You know, they, they do need to have a set of skills which may be slightly different to what they've had before in order to help their organizations to meet all these challenges. And if organizations can get that right, then they are really going to get a, a really good competitive advantage. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely more of a, piz, a pivot than a, a transformation because a lot of what L&D's departments and, and trainers are already great at, they're going to need to do more of, but they need to embrace a whole load of new technologies, a whole load of new channels, a set of related but new skills um, in order to, to do this. I mean, in a nutshell, it's about being human-centered 
in your learning design. So it's something we've been really passionate about. We've been speaking about this for years. It's really heartening to see how much noise there is around being human centered, not just in learning, but in marketing, in customer service, um, in how you manage your workforce, you know, this greater focus on well-being, which absolutely there should be and, and there needs to be, I think has kind of risen these kind of these conversations to the top. I think in, in terms of how people can go about doing that, I mean, for us, it's really about understanding humans in general. Um, and the way that we do that is uh, we basically ignore all of the learning theories. Uh, maybe there was a time when learning theories were useful, but fortunately now we have facts. So we much prefer to work with facts, facts from cognitive science, uh, facts about our audience that we can get through uh, user research, through talking to them, through, through looking at data and so forth. So, you know, it's great that we're able to kind of move, move beyond that now and be truly human centred. Um, it is at the same time disheartening that, you know, there's lots of people that have uh, moved into our industry. There's been this huge growth in digitisation, uh, learning and, and everything. And unfortunately, some of these old ogres, these old kind of these old dragons that we thought that we'd laid to rest are popping up again. And we're seeing them all over Twitter and we're seeing them over LinkedIn. And as tiring as it is, those of us that fight the battle need to get back on our horse and pick up our lance and, and lay these things to rest because they're, they're just really unhelpful to organisations, really unhelpful to, to learners. I mean, maybe there was a time when that was okay and there was more budget and more time to do things if there ever was it certainly passed so you know being human-centered isn't a soft and fluffy thing to do it's how you get the most impact in your projects really really key yeah definitely so from all the research you've been doing the findings the the evidence base the facts and the data mm. what's some practical advice you can give lnd functions to start to i was about to use the word future proof I've done it now. Um, no, to, to, to kind of, <laughs> you know, to to make them fit for the future, to to, uh, to to make it applicable and as effective as possible for future learning department and the wider business. Yeah. Well, to, to do that as part of the insights work, we thought through like a logic chain. So we're quite keen on these things where each step of the logic is a really kind of small and noddy and kind of like uh, obvious kind of step but you follow through the chain and it leads you to, to some fairly interesting places mm -hmm. so starting by looking at the impact of covid on the on the mega trends and then following through the log logic chain from you know really simple things like people are going to work more re remotely than they did before they're going to spend less time together you know therefore this means that things like social learning is going to become more important being able to access learning 24 7 so there's a whole bunch of really quite straightforward steps that l d departments can take now if they're not already taking those steps i'll i'll run through a, a few of those so a real kind of obvious thing if people aren't going to be in the office and they're going to be working at different hours of the day having learning provision that is available 24 7 in some shape or form is really important now what that does not mean is yeah let's just buy a library of content there you go organization that got that covered i'm glad i can tick that off the box it's like, no, no, that will, that will maybe cover 60, 70% of what you need. But there's a whole load of more complex stuff that people need to learn where, guess what? They might actually need to talk to another human being about it. Maybe they'd like to ask a question, you know, or try something out. So it will be a case of making sure that those opportunities to interact with other human beings 
uh, takes place, sorry, L&D people, over a longer window of time, not necessarily 24-7, but taking account for those that might choose to work earlier um, because they've got childcare duties or drop-off duties or later for those that are night owls. You know, all of this will really help with people's uh, well-being as well. Um, another really kind of obvious one, uh, I think we're seeing this already, is uh, when people are less visible physically in the workplace, you can no longer measure people against their role by counting bums on seats. Clearly, you shouldn't be doing that anyway. It's a ridiculous way to measure productivity. Um, but when people are physically removed from you and working remotely, it really has to be about their output. Um, you know, what they're achieving in, in their job, their productivity, their efficiency. Now, if that becomes the focus for people's jobs, that's going to become the focus for learning as well. So we, we predict there being a move away from learning objectives where you just want people to learn stuff more towards performance objectives where people are actually reaching a level of, of specified performance for a particular task within a, within a time frame. Um, and that, that means a move away from the tracking of digital bums on seats data. So things like attendees, they've attended a virtual event or they've clicked through something on a website or a learning management system, or, or even they've completed a quiz just after a learning experience. You know, all of those aren't measures of behavior change or of performance or of, or of impact. You know, those things are measured other ways and they should be measured they probably are measured in other ways already within the organisation. So that's a key one, that, that shift from learning to performance. Um, I mentioned social earlier. So the more we uh, work separately, I mean, we're lucky that we you know, work together. Tess and I, we share an office, so we've always got uh, one another. But for a lot of people, working remotely can be quite a, a lonely experience. And learning should be social anyway. You know, not, not all learning, but the majority of learning and certainly the complex stuff that most people need to learn uh, for their for their roles, you should be able to interact with other human beings, talk to other people about it. So that social and collaborative we see is, is really important. And again, that's another thing that's really good for your your well-being is interacting with others. You know, we're we're a social species. So mm. it is it is a really important thing to get into your learning as well. Yeah. I mean, this is a no-brainer. I think everybody's already on board with this already, but virtual classroom delivery. So, uh, you know, not just uh, digital chalk and talk and droning over PowerPoint slides, but actually having highly interactive virtual classrooms in different formats. So we like to mix up the formats for these. So sometimes they will be uh, kind of covering a key principle and then trying something out, reflecting on something. Other ones we've run where we've actually run them as a piece of research where the audience input into something and we generate insights from that in real time. We run uh, like problem solving clinics, uh, kind of bring in share ones where peers bring examples of their work and other peers kind of uh, review that uh, with, with a bit of coaching help. So there's all these really interesting formats that you can, you can use um, if you're brave enough to move away from the tyranny of the PowerPoint deck. Uh, fortunately, there's some brilliant tools out there um, which uh, which will kind of push you in, in that direction uh, anyhow. And the, the final one to mention is around measuring carbon. Um, so, yeah, something that we, that we started doing a little while ago is starting to measure our carbon footprint as an organisation, look at ways that we can reduce that. Um, certainly as fuel and energy gets more and more important, add that to the climate concerns and organisations are really going to start tracking their carbon cost in the same way that they do their monetary cost. Uh, we see a point where 
um, departments and possibly individuals will have carbon budgets for traveling, for attending things. So, you know, you have so much that you that you would be able to use per year. Maybe you can trade that with other people. Some roles would probably get more, you know, sales roles would need to travel more perhaps. But, you know, those carbon costs, they all add up. They're all going to be, we think, accounted for. And being able to, uh, when you design a learning experience or a blend or a program or whatever it is, being able to calculate and say, it's that many people, they're doing it this way. Um, as Tess uh, investigated in a recent uh, article, actually, where are the servers based? Uh, how, how much carbon are, they, are those using? You know, getting into the nitty gritty there versus if they were traveling and traveling this amount, what would the carbon cost be? And those savings we think are gonna become even more important. Just before we go, this your last point leads really nicely onto something I've thought about. I found out about your company and I'm quite interested in, and I only know, a little bit on the surface about it and it's yeah. mostly around sustainability but it's probably about more than that isn't it and that's the that's that's b core certification so mm. your your business is certified in that way give us a bit of an explanation of what that is and also in the context of what we've talked about today tess yeah so um b core like you said it's probably something that quite a lot of people still haven't heard about but you will mm. um increasingly um you'll see on your on your food packaging probably is the first place you'll notice it so companies like innocent and danon mm. are b core companies so you'll see it popping up on your yogurt or or your drinks um so b core um they are companies who balance uh, profit planet and purpose um in the UK this year, it's estimated that the increase is going to be 120%. Mm. So um, it is growing at an absolutely incredible rate. Um, we got our certification last year. We were really proud to get it because it's actually really hard to get. You have to really put a lot of effort into your, mm. your application. It's assessed by various assessors in the States and here, and it's not an easy thing to get certified for. So, with BCOR, one of the key areas, as you mentioned, is around sustainability. And that's probably where most people will have heard of BCOR. As Rob said, I did some research for an article and um, it's kind of a common kind of common knowledge that doing things digitally is probably better for the environment than doing them face to face. So you've not got the costs of traveling to a, a training venue. You've not got the costs of power. Um, the carbon cost that is of the power and the heat and the air con you've not got uh, a load of plastic pots that you've had your salad in at lunchtime but that's not to say that there's not a cost with digital mm. as well and it was really interesting to me that the digital economy as, as a whole so that's that's also things like Netflix and um, search engines and all of that it's not mm. just learning mm. But it actually generates as much carbon as the airline industry, which I thought was absolutely incredible. It's mind-boggling, isn't it? Which is mind-boggling. So it does mean, like Rob said, the choices that we make about how we are um, designing our learning, mm. how we are um, hosting our learning, they're actually important mm. for the environment as well. So stuff like your servers, your um, the cloud services, and where they're hosted, things like the devices that you have so the mm. lithium and the copper that goes into a, a phone for example also has an environmental impact so they're all really um interesting things to to consider when you're doing that as well alongside that um one of the the tenets of b core is how you treat people mm. within your business and yeah 
no. which you know is a human-centered uh, company and um, it's certainly I think it's fair to say that our, our company is a representation of Tess and my values and uh, we, we always try to treat people fairly and treat people well whoever they are so you know I, I take great uh, pride in being as courteous to the taxi driver that takes me to the meeting with the CEO as I am to the CEO um, it, it's like people are people and some may have had more opportunities than others and found themselves in perhaps a more uh, wealthy or seemingly elevated position than others. A lot of that is the luck of the draw and the breaks that you've had along the way. And I think everybody deserves to be treated well. You know, it's one of the reasons why accessibility is really important to us in the, the work that we that we do, uh, not just meeting the standards, but kind of trying to go, go beyond that. But it's also, um, you know, about the choice of kinds of people that will come and work with us you know we're very uh, values driven in fact our, the first uh, the first interview that people have with LAS is 100% about values we don't talk about skills or experience or anything like that and the first question that we ask people in that interview what makes you happy and that's you know people literally very very frequently are rocked back by that and like wow I uh, yeah I've never been asked that one before. And, and the answers that you get are fascinating, you know, and you get a real insight to people. So we focused greatly on, on values there. But, you know, also in the, the partners that we, we look to work with, the organisations that we look to, to help, uh, we, we want to be helping the organisations that are that are helping our lot as a species on this planet um, in general. It's not always an easy judgment to make. You know, businesses are huge and complex things with, tens of thousands of people making literally millions of decisions big and small every day and the kind of overall social good and impact of an organization is the sum of that so it's a difficult thing to make a judgment call on um, but we do we do try to and in general we, we gravitate towards those kinds of organizations yeah so um i guess b Corps, to sum it up is it's kind of about creating a different business model that's inclusive that takes account of diversity it's equitable mm. and it's also um a really kind of regenerative way regenerative that's a very hard word to say mm. <laughs> regenerative way of doing business so you're you're really taking into account the um the basis on which we live so mm. you know if there's if there's no planet if we really mess it up there's no business either so we need to be taking those things into account and increasingly as we found in our research for on the on the COVID topic um things like you know taking account of your carbon footprint and things like that start doing it now because it is going to become more and more important mm. consumers will make increasingly ethical choices about who they work with not just what they buy and from where but the services that they buy and the organizations that they buy them from and also where they spend their their online lives you know where they uh, spend their attention uh, digitally to you know organize I mean I've moved away from a lot of them already the ones which I think are you know very attractive in terms of um, entertaining you but perhaps aren't really doing as much as they could to be supporting our, our lot as a, as a society and I think you know I'm, I'm maybe the, the tip of the iceberg I think more people will think that way and it'll be easier to, to get to that data and be able to make those judgment calls that now actually I won't go to that particular online service because they're rated in these ways for maybe they're not so great with the planet or their employees and instead I'm going to go here instead so I think that's a, a change that we'll see as you know cl climate change bites more and more 
people are going to want to be more and more ethical we think we think people will want to be part of the solution completely agree and uh, congrats on the certification um very impressive because like you say it's uh it's something which isn't that widespread yet but it will be it can, it can only yeah. go one way as far as i'm concerned and, and you are too so so that's great uh rob tess thank you so much for talking to our niche class today yeah thank you, oh, thank you john yeah thanks for having us